Hi and welcome to another episode of Sharings with Shama. And uh, today uh, it's a beautiful morning in Stockholm. The sun is shining. I have a lovely cherry blossom tree outside my window. And uh, yeah, I, f- I feel really good. Today is also the birthday of my father and he has been dead for many, many years. He he passed when I was 18 after three years of cancer and I feel that today, today is uh, obviously, it's a, it's a day that I dedicate to my parents um, out of love, out of respect and also I want to share about uh, both both what I where I come from and also about my own motherhood. So today's episode is about motherhood and uh, my my findings as um, being a daughter to to my own mother and um, also being a mother of my four children and. Um, my mom, she she passed 2014, so that's six years ago now, this year, uh, July 6th. Uh, that's also funny, actually. She she died on the, her birthday, so she waited waited a long time. She was ill for 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 many months, and she was in hospice. And the day of her birthday, she passed. And we were there, all of us, all all my sisters and and their husbands and and uh, you know, yeah, me and my husband and my children and my my sisters' uh, children. We were all there um, in the hospital, and uh, it was it was not. Uh, I would say that we have we have buried. I. I I realized that me and my sister, we we began to go to funerals, I think, far too early. I know many people, adult people, who hasn't, you know, been to one funeral. And we've been to many, many, both parents and loved ones and friends and so on. Anyhow, anyhow, my mother, uh, I was born 67 and I realized that uh, I spoke to my my sister the other week, and most likely I was born into their divorce. I w- uh, we are all born up north in Sweden. My father was a dentist and uh, a surgeon later, and then he also was a professor. He was very young. I think he was not even forty when he became a professor. Uh, so he was super super ambitious and. And we realized that in 67, when I was born, most likely things were not well in our family. And uh, we discussed that how, how was their relationship and, uh, and so on. And, and our feeling is that they were actually divorcing. But then uh, I was an accident, I wasn't planned, and um, they continued. <clears throat> for a few years, but our mother, she began to study. Um, so she was like a, a dental nurse, and um, and then she got us, so she, she didn't really work. Uh, it was back in the 60s. 
So she was a housewife, and we had a nanny also. And then she she began to study when my my elder sister was born. So um, social social work uh, to become a social worker. And she when she was finished, I think I was around two and a half or something. Uh, she got a job in a different town. And and I mean she she planned this. Of course she planned it. Um, so she got a job in a town way south in Sweden. She got an apartment, and uh, and one day when I was almost three, she took us three kids and a dog, and one sofa, and moved. So one day when my dad came home, the house was empty. And we are really like puzzled. We have no idea really about their relationship, how it was, but we can understand that things weren't well. You don't do that. You just don't pack up your your family and and you know abandon the ship. But she must have planned it because she had a job, she had the apartment, and she just left. And our father, he was absolutely devastated. And uh, we have this, all these theories and thoughts. Was he unfaithful? You know, um, he, obviously he wasn't home much because he was so extremely successful. He was so into his career. And, and that did not stop after the divorce so that we could see that most likely she was alone a lot with us and... But we don't know the reason why she's, they split up like this, you know, why this um, kind of um, secret split up. And uh, and my father, he, we also heard rumors that he was taken into psychiatric ward because he became suicidal and anyhow. And and I can see that this this mothering, my my mom how she was, kind of, she was a lot like I am, you know, a problem solver, taking things into her own hands, you know, solution-oriented, and and I think also very, very reactive. And uh, I think back then, no one thought about the consequences. What will this mean for my children? So uh, for us, I can just say how it was for me from obviously having a father because he was our father. He, they lived in the same house. He came home, of course, and they slept in the same house and so on. We lost our father. Uh, when I was three, I had him for three years and then I, hadn't, I didn't have him. And he was like a father figure that was very, very far away. I don't know how, if we didn't see him for a year or something. And then we got to spend one weekend a month there. And it was really back then, there was, they were such in such a big fight, you know, around everything, around child support, around, you know, um, if we were to spend time with him, yes or no. And there was just a lot of fights and 
motherhood, and I think for my mom, because she ended up with us three, most likely for her the situation was the same, like she had us from the beginning, but back up north in the family we had a nanny, Alice, so she was with us, but when mom moved we didn't have a nanny, so from being at home, my sister and I, my, our elder sister, she was ob obviously in school, she was 11 at the time, I was three, my other sister was five. But us two, we had been at home our whole entire life with mom and a nanny. And uh, from day one, my mom, she moved on a weekend and on Monday we were put in daycare because she needed to work. And for me, that situation, and that's also how diff different we are, my five-year-old sister, she liked daycare. She got friends immediately and she enjoyed it a lot. First, we went to summer daycare, like June, July. And then we went to like a more proper daycare. But I hated it. You know, I was like, I sat underneath, you know, in a dark hall. I had a little hook with a fish or a, a little ball, something colorful and my jacket, and I sat under this hook waiting for my mom to come pick me up, and I cried. So I just sat there, cried, and they, they took me, they pulled me, you need to eat, you need to do this, you need to go out in the yard, and so on. But I remember, I remember this period in my life to be one of the darkest ones. I think I didn't understand uh, why was I there, you know, going from the safety at home, going from, you know, being with my mom, my sister, our dog, you know, the nanny in the house, um, then to be in an apartment without that and being in a random place all day, you know, sitting in this hall crying. And I, I, I know I never enjoyed day, daycare, never, 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 never. And it didn't take long until my mom left me at home alone. Um, she, she always said, you were such a happy child. You were like the little clown of the family. You were always happy. And she said that in the morning, you refused to go to daycare. And we had these fights. And one day I just said, okay, so I leave you at home. And she said she walked and she walked to the parking lot where we lived and she waited for me to come running after her, but I didn't. And when she came to the car, she was like, hello, okay. So she put my sister in the car and she said, wait here, I'll go get your sister. And then she came back home and what did I do? I had gathered all my toys, you know. She said that you were fully prepared to stay at home a whole day. I found you in your bed playing, like, okay, I'm just going to be here. And you were super happy. And I can understand that feeling that I was really happy and content to not go to daycare. That was really like, and she said, of course. And I'm like, what did you do then? Did you leave me at home? And she's like, hey, you were three and a half years old. I could not leave you at home. Of course not. I took you to daycare. And I'm like, okay. Uh, when I was four, 
they had activities in the night. My sister, she was six and, and they were six and 12. And, and my mom, she studied a lot. So she had some uh, uh, evening class. Anyhow, so one, once a week she had like a, a timing that my sisters had activities and she had the evening class and she left me at home because she said, you enjoy to be at home alone. And so after daycare, we went to pick up like a bag of candy and a, a, a magazine, a comic for me. And then she said, we had dinner and then we went to the activities and I left you at home. And I remember this. I remember picking up the candy. I remember it was like a Disneyland magazine. It was a lot of Ting and Peter Pan and it's not existent anymore. Mm. Anyhow, and I, I read, I developed so I could read when I was um, four. And I read and I, you know, turned the pages and I ate the candy. And then there came a point, you know, when darkness came, I needed to pee. The candy was finished and the book and the, the, the magazine too. And I, I was, I got scared, you know. I didn't dare to go to, to pee and I was sitting in my bed and I, I remember this as like really terrifying and I didn't know when were they coming home and um, sometimes I was asleep when they arrived and sometimes I wasn't and and I can just say that LSE that my, my mom, for me to leave a four-year-old at home alone, for me that is, you know, connected to... Uh, Negligence, you know, you don't. Uh, this child may put the apartment on fire. This child may hurt herself badly, you know, uh, fall, trip, anything. Anything can happen during those two hours they were away. And for me, it's insanity. And I can see that it's part, the times back then in the 70s, they were... M less caring you know about us um, our upbringing is so radically different from how we bring up children now all the safety precautions for example like in a car you had a car seat for a child between the the, the uh, driver's seat and the front passenger seat and that little tiny metal car seat was faced forward so it was different times, of course, but to leave a four-year-old at home for a couple of hours and be safe with it, I think it's not only the times. It also says something about my mom, and um, it also says a lot about her drive and ambition because she really, uh, I think she really felt like she wanted to develop. She wanted, she was always very, very eager to learn things. Uh, she was a lot into politics and uh, she was very, very well educated and uh, she always took like extra classes at the uni and um, she was always developing something. She was extremely interested. Like I'm the total opposite. I am more or less uninterested in, in most things that doesn't concern me, that doesn't regard my own life. Um, I would say that this time, during the corona crisis, this is the first time 
in my adult life that I am really watching the news, that I'm really up to date with all the latest information and so on. Uh, this is the first time that I'm engaged in something happening in my exterior world. And reasons for that are, of course, many, but that's just who I am. But my mom, she was never like that. She, even until her old, old age, she always learned something. You know, she always developed something. She read a lot. And um, she was very, very intelligent. I, I must say, both my parents were very, very intelligent. And... Um, and my mom, I think both my mom and my dad, they had skills. You know, they were, they were very, very talented. And I can also say that love and care was not really one of their talents. But they were very, very um, skilled in, in doing, you know, and um, really accomplishing things and and reaching goals that they have, and so on. They were very, very uh, motivated in, in becoming, I think. I think they were also, also extremely interested in knowing, you know, gathering knowledge. So I think that their brains, they were just full of knowledge, and their emotional capacity was very very underdeveloped i don't want to say this in a in a critical sense because i just see that we are different and and some of us are very very emotional and i also know that my mom i can see when i go to myself i can see that i can be so emotionally cut off at times but I'm so aware of my emotional capabilities, you know, abilities that I know when I am cut off. I can really sense it. I am I'm dating someone at the moment and I can really and he said he said early on that I perceive you as a bit cut off. <laughs> You know, and I'm like, okay, maybe you are right, actually. And I think this is, is a way of me handling crisis, that I actually cut off emotions. And I'm think that, I think that's nice. I enjoy it. I enjoy having this, you know, pause of not feeling all the time. Because I've been feeling so much my whole life. So to be a bit cut off at times is actually like being on a tiny vacation. But I think to live a whole life like my mom and dad, that they were very, very cut off from their feelings, means that they were very cut off from both the, you know, the joy and the sadness. And it means also that for us as kids to grow up with parents this way, to not have this loving surrounding, but to have this very, very intelligent uh, surrounding and also have more of the more of the negativity more of since they were in a constant fight and constant argument it also meant that we couldn't be you know um ourselves we couldn't be the 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 kids that we were we couldn't be the emotional ones we couldn't do for once we could not make errors 
we were severely punished uh, for for making mistakes. Uh, it was not accepted in our family. Uh, and now I'm talking about, you know, simple mistakes like, like break things, like to break a plate or a glass or something. Uh, and when I say severely punished, it's not, we weren't, they didn't hit us, but the anger fits could really like, you know, kill. Uh, so so I, ca I can just see that I grew up in a surrounding where it was not accepted to make mistakes. And, you know, we make mistakes. Kids make mistakes. Everyone, pe we are human beings. And, um, and the fear of that happening, both around my mom and my dad, I think that was something that they had in common, you know, their common... Um, kind of theme that they were emotionally cut off and they also could become extremely angry and uh, and my mom anyhow she raised us by herself three daughters uh, she struggled a lot you know she was always educating herself she was always working with helping other people. My mom, she was first a dental nurse, then she was a um, social worker. She worked with uh, drug addicts. Uh, she worked with children, uh, uh, children to the drug addicts also. Uh, she worked with homeless men. Um, she worked uh, later when I was 13, she started an um, uh, environmental party in Sweden together with other people. She was not, she did not become a politician, but she ran the magazine for the, um, this is such a hard word, environmental party. Um, she started up their magazine and she ran it. Um, she ran a project uh, to save the Baltic Sea region. And um, she also, edited and published a lot of books, uh, always in this uh, environmental area, sector. When she was like 65 or something, she started, uh, 60 maybe, she started her own book company. Uh, and that was like when, I must see, maybe in the early 90s, mid-90s, early 90s, she started the book company called Echo Medium. So this was before the whole environmental, you know, uh, revolution. Uh, we didn't have anything ecological, you know. You could not buy any organic food or anything. And she started her own book publishing company called Echo Medium. We still own the rights and the domain for this company. And me and my sister, we are thinking, uh, sisters, thinking, should we go into that industry maybe? and publish our own books and thinking our mom she was actually a pioneer you know she was an activist she was like uh, you know nuclear power no thank you uh, she said no to alcohol she was like for the environment she was very politically active and she taught me a lot I mean, she taught us all a lot because she was so well-educated and so intelligent.
And I can really see that this, these are things, you know, that I, I did not recognize when I was a child or a teenager. I did not um, enjoy it. I hated when she started that uh, political party because they were sitting in our kitchen and I was 13, 14. And I had all these people with lots of beard smoking and, you know, um, discussing, you know, creating programs and stuff. And I could not bring home any friends. And uh, my mom, where we grew up, because she was a socialist and then later an environmentalist and... Um, we did not have any, you know, capitalist um, products at home. We didn't have TV. We didn't have, you know, a fancy car or, uh, you know, she was very, she was very poor. And due to that, she was also an activist for the poor people, of course. And, um, and that was really difficult for me because I grew up in a very posh neighborhood. She, for our sake, she bought a house in a very posh neighborhood um, because it was cheap at that point. Um, and then it became very, very posh when we, yeah, around 10 years after she bought it. And it was so difficult to grow up with this, you know, radical activist, different hippie kind of mom. And she was not even a cool hippie in that sense. She was more like just strange. And she could also be so angry. I couldn't bring home friends. And she was always angry with me. And she had a lot of rules and regulations. And and also at that point, she was 35 when I was born. So when I was a teenager, she was 50. And my, my the parents of my, my friends, they were 35. They were much younger and much more liberal. And my mom, she was very, it was very strange, you know. Um, she was a conservative when it came to upbringing. And then she was very, um, you know, in a way, liberal or politically active and for, you know, freedom. And, um, yeah, it was very contradictionary in a way. And maybe this is because she was angry. <laughs> Sorry, if she would have been a more positive, like... And the question is, why was my mom, you know, in a way? And I can see she grew up. My grandma, she lost her her, her mom. My great-grandmother died when my grandmother was five. And at that point, all her brothers, like four brothers, they moved to... She had elder brothers. They moved to the States. They emigrated. So she got stuck with her dad and he remarried the, the housekeeper and her upbringing was obviously very, very hard. And uh, my great-grandmother, she died. Uh, we don't know why she died. Um, she could have, there's nothing, no records of her death. So it could have been a suicide, we don't know, because there's nothing written about that. That's the only death in our family tree, you know that is not documented. Anyhow, my grandmother, when she got my mom, she was also, she was like 35 something, and my mom was her first and only child. She married a, a husband who was uh, 20 years older than her. And <clears throat> so my mom had two half brothers, 20 years older than she was. And her upbringing was very, very difficult. 
My father, my gra- grandfather was an alcoholic, but my mom remembers him as being super, super kind, super gentle, super kind. And her mom was very, very ice cold and treated my mother like an experiment, more or less. So she was very, you know, sterile, handle, no love, uh, and a lot of different kind of procedures for cleaning and, you know, mm, caretaking and, and very strange things um, that, I, that she, she told about. And my mom, she moved away when she was like 16. Uh, the reason for this, I don't really know, uh, but that's very, very early. She had to take care of herself. And I can still see that this growing up in a kind of loveless household and also with an addiction, uh, how that shaped my mom. And this emotional side, like the loving side, she was also very, very, you know, she hated to be touched. If we touched her, if we wanted to you know, play with her hair or sit in her lap or be close. She could not handle us sleeping next to her or, you know, to cuddle her or she really hated it. And I never, never, ever before that or after that met a person who really hated physical touch as much as my mom did. To the bitter end, she hated in the hospital if we touched her. (laughs) It's like really... Uh, that's also very, very strange. Anyhow, motherhood. I'm doing this talk because it's Mother's Day coming up. I feel... <coughs> sorry. I feel that all these kind of, you know, negative things about my mom, that's not her essence. That's not who she was. That's a personality that she developed due to a lot of hardship in her life. She had this really, really difficult upbringing herself with an ice-cold mom. When she was 14, she got really, really sick with pneumonia. So she ended up in hospital for a full year. They had to remove half her lung. And um, she was severely sick in hospital alone for a full year, Uh, you know, in her teens when she was supposed to be out having fun, doing a lot of stuff. And I know that all these things, and she went through a lot of hardship. And then she met my dad, who was also a cold person, you know, and she got pregnant, she got my sister, and their marriage was difficult. And... And when they, sorry, the noise in the background is my daughter, sorry, I'm not alone at home, (laughs) you have to bear with that. And um, I, um, what was I going to say? I mean, she struggled a lot, she struggled a lot with us, uh, with my dad and so on. And then when I was 15, she got unemployed and became very, very depressed So she also had this, you know, mental illness things uh, in her life, in her genes. So I know that my mom, she struggled a lot. And she struggled a lot also financially um, because my father didn't pay any child support, like in a a sense that 
that counts. And she had us three full time. And to raise three children, you know, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of worry. It takes a lot of, you know, really, uh, what do you say? Now, really, Maya is making a smoothie. Shall I go out in the kitchen and just say, stop? Or can you bear with it? Is it just as nice as Henry snoring that my daughter is making a smoothie? I don't think so. Anyhow, my mom, uh, the way she struggled financially and emotionally, I can so see that I have done exactly the same. My, the fathers of my kids, they didn't pay any child support. They wasn't there time-wise or financially. I raised three of my four kids alone, totally. And I can so see that I went, even though I said, I'm not going to do as my mom did. I'm going to do everything completely different. I divorced. I split up from the first relationship, just taking the kids and and leave. I have done exactly the same as my mom in so many areas. And I can just say that it's so difficult to break a pattern and to read it because I am what I'm raised to be. You know, I've seen my mom. I followed in her footsteps because this is the mothering that I know of. You know, this is also also the pain and I also not only inherited her pain, but I also went through my own hardships, you know, my own traumas, my own separations, uh, you know, my dad leaving and mom and being alone a lot and not being welcome in my family and so on. And I can just see that for me, I mean, the, for my mother to become a mother, you know, it's not a given. And to raise children in a good way when you don't have the emotional, and I think that that is what's harming the kids the most, is when you don't have this loving, caring side, this supportive side, when kids are more like things or something, projects, and you don't have access to this emotional um, register, then it's very, very difficult. And I can so see that this upbringing that I had has affected me, of course, in my mothering. And I can also see that, okay, my mom, she was a mother for, you know, most of her life. I think she was, I was, she was 27 when she got my sister and she died when she was 82. What is that? It's like 50 something, 50 plus years as a mother. Am I going to ruin that life's work for her because I have some bad experiences? Is that okay? Is that okay for me to kind of write her down, to put her mothering down because I had some bad experiences growing up? Is she less a mother? Did she try less hard? Did she not do her best because I had some bad experiences? Is it okay for me to kind of cut up and 
diminish her life's worth, her work, the greatest work in a way. She raised us. We are three sisters. Our mom raised us. I love my sisters. My sisters are amazing people. They would not be the amazing people they are if it wasn't for my mom. I would not be the amazing person that I am if it wasn't for my mom. I did not create myself. My mom did. My mom gave birth to me. She breastfed me. You know, she, you know, she took care of me. She raised me. She gave me a lot of knowledge. A lot of knowledge. Thanks to her genes, I'm intelligent, I'm capable, you know, I have a lot of skills, and to my dad too. But my mom, she gave me not only, you know, life, but she also gave me good genes. She gave me, like, skills. She gave me this ability to manage, to endure, to really, like... My mom, she gave me the greatest gift that she could give me, And that was actually, she gave me the gift to become a mom myself. If I wasn't born, I would not have been able to be a mother to my four children. And she gave me that gift too. I feel it's so important that I work on shifting my perception on my mother because If I focus on the negativity, if I focus on the traumas, if I focus on the bad, what do I do? I take that blame onto myself. Because if I can blame her, I am to blame too. Did I not try my best? Did I not love my children to the best of my abilities? Did I not raise them as good as I could? Did I not strive, struggle, and support them financially? You know, didn't I do that? Wasn't I trying my best? And I just feel that by blaming my mom for what happened to me as a child, blaming my mom for not being, you know, having the self-esteem I would have wanted or to be as loved as I would have wanted and so on, by doing that, I'm adding that, I'm taking on that guilt myself. And I really feel that I'm done with the blame. I'm done with the guilt. I really want to take my parents and I want to lift them up. And I want to say, look here, this is my mom. You know, she went through all of this as a child. You know, she almost died You know, she survived and she struggled so hard and she provided us with a fancy house she couldn't afford. She supported us single-handedly for 18 years each. And she really strived to be someone herself. And she, you know, she did a lot. And there are so many times that we were in conflict, that we were not resonating, to, you know, in a good way and where I really felt she doesn't love me and so on and this and that. And I really feel that the past is in the past because it's supposed to be in the past. And the only feelings I want to cultivate today is 
my mom, she gave me life. I am her life work, you know. I am, she really worked to make me function. She put her a lot of effort and a lot of love, of course. If she couldn't show it, that is a different, it's not the same as she didn't love me. You know, to express love, be grateful if you are a person who can express love. This is, you know, the, the thing that I was most, you know, surprised by and grateful for when I got my own children was my ability to express love. That I could love them and show them that I love them. And I remember I was feeling like, thank you, God, for giving me this ability. So this is not inherited into the next generation. Thank you for me having learned how to love and express love. And I can feel the sadness, you know, towards my parents who did not have this ability to express love in that way. And I can also say my mom, she developed that. She showed my children so much love. She loved them so much. And when she was 70, she met the love of her life. She never loved anyone as much as she loved Stan. And us children, we were amazed. Our mom is loving someone. This is amazing. And we just felt the joy, you know, and all the, we kind of felt relieved that, okay, she can love, she loves someone. It's like, and they were so cute together. They were so adorable together, really. And to know that it took so long for my mom to fall in love, 70 years. And I feel that today, I think we all should think about that when we blame our parents, when we put them down, when we say that it's because of you I am in this negative way, it's because of you I suffer and I can't do this and that and so on, I think that we should take that to ourselves and see, okay, Of course it's true that trauma, childhood trauma, has shaped us. I'm not taking that away. What I want us to contemplate and think about is, was there an evil intention behind it? You know, did our parents have an evil intention with what happened to us? I think even if we were abused, was there an evil intention behind it? If we go back in generation, we can see that there is a pattern, there are reasons for everything. There's always cause and effect. There's always cause and effect. And to forgive is actually more than just say that I forgive you. It's also to incorporate that into your present life. And I feel that by blaming my parents, by blaming my mom, I am to blame myself. 
And if I feel, did I do a good job as a mom? Did I do my best? Did I really try hard? Uh, what do I feel about my own motherhood? Do I own my own motherhood? Or was it a random kind of, uh, you know, series of actions that happened during a couple of years? And I can see that, okay, I have been a mother for 32 years. I have four children. The youngest now is turning 19. She's graduating. And I can see this is four times 19 years of love, care, of worry, of time, of money, of, you know, it's a 24-7 times 19 years. But then you can add that up to 32 and you see that this is so much invested. And if I'm blaming my mom for things, I am to blame too. If I'm kind of, you know, how can I take credit for my motherhood? How can I own it if I'm blaming my mom? It's like Jesus said, as the one without the guilt can throw the first stone. And I, I am so done with the blame and the guilt. I want to love my parents freely. I want to love them with the good and the bad. I want to take this positive, you know, approach to, okay, parenthood. We come into this life clueless about what it is to be a parent. This is nothing we are educated to be. We become that. We take that job on fully and we just embrace it and we do our best. And life is going to continue to happen. Life is good and bad is going to continue to happen. This is, and we adapt. And we do what we think is the best at the moment. In retrospect, we can see, oh, this harmed my children a lot. What I did in 1993 or whatever. And we can't change that. At that point in our life... We thought this was the solution. If we had a problem, we thought this was the solution. And we did solve the problem with the capacity, you know, the capabilities we had. And I feel like now I have, my youngest is probably going to move out. And I want to look back. I don't want to look back on my motherhood and say, hey, you fucked up a lot. I don't want to do that. And I don't want to look at my mom and say, hey, you fucked up a lot. I want to, do you know what? My motherhood, uh, sorry, my mom's motherhood, me and my sisters and all our children are the result of my mom, her motherhood. And look at the result. You know what? When my mom was dying, she said something very, very, you know, she said, how successful I became, you know, how, how great I became. Look, look around. And she looked at all of us. And she said, how, in Swedish, she says, hur lyckad jag blev. How lyckad, uh, I don't know how you say that. How, not great, successful, fortunate. It's like combination. 
Um, anyhow, she looked around. She, she just felt so great about herself. Really like, hey, look what I created. And she looked around at all of us. And I think that is so amazing. Look what she created. Her life, you know, all the work she put in, all the work she put in to raise us, all the work she put in, you know, to, to support us financially, to take us on vacation and to really, you know, all the work. And I want to be proud of that. I want to say like, hey, this was my mom. She did all this. You know, she created all of us. She made it possible for all of us to be this great. And I want to do and give the same to myself. I want to see, you know, 32 years of being a mom is a lot. It's not a little piece of my life. It's not the tiny chunk. This is the massive piece, you know. This is the most, the biggest part of my life. I don't want to make that smaller. I don't want anyone to make that smaller by saying, hey, you fucked up a lot. You made a lot of mistakes. It's your fault. It's because of you. I want really... To take, and I know that I am the first one that needs to embrace this. I am the first one who needs to look at my mom and say, hey, look how amazing you did. Look, look at the result. Whatever you did, it was amazing because the result is amazing. And I want to do the same for myself. I want to say, hey, look at the result. There are four, four beings, actually, Lea Luna, there's five beings out there walking, talking, doing amazing things, living lives, functioning, being happy, being sad. You know, they are like out and about. And I can just say that, okay, these years, this work that you put in, you did a great job. This really like, I want to own my motherhood and say, hey, this part of my life that I dedicated to be a mother, that was really, really well done. I am so done with the guilt and the blame. And I want this podcast to be about honoring the result, you know, to really see that, okay, if the result is that we are addicted, that we are depressed, that we are sad or whatever, that does not mean that our parents fucked up. That means that we have a potential to grow. We have a potential to develop. We have a potential to get to know ourselves. It's also true that in crisis, we get to know ourselves. And some of us had amazing childhoods with loving, caring parents. And some of us didn't. But that doesn't mean they didn't love us, you know. It often means that they couldn't show it to us. And what we can do is to show us the love. And for me, 
I don't show myself love by saying I fucked up a lot when my kids were small. That's not loving. That's not showing myself love. That's not giving myself what I need. What I need is actually the opposite. And to be able to do that, I need to give my mom the same cred. That's just as it is. She did her best. I did my best. We both did a tremendous job because the result is amazing. Oh, there is something about having dead parents. There's so much that you want to say when you grow old and wise. Aging, I really, if I envy, if I envy people, I envy people who have parents, you know, who have the ability, the, the possibility to develop a relationship during long term and to, to be able to say the things that you learn right now, for example, I wish I could have had a conversation with my mom from this perspective that I have today because I didn't have it when she was alive. This is something that has come to me now. And it doesn't really matter because I think that whatever I learn that I can implement in my own life is good and it's going to, you know, create goodness also. And I'm sure that when my mom passed, she was very happy because the result was so amazing. And she looked around and she said, look what I created. Am I not amazing? Um, so I want to end this podcast with, with us owning our motherhood and giving respect, you know, to our own mothers and realizing that if we blame our own mothers, we are to blame too. Because life is like this. Life happens and we're going to make mistakes. That's part of being human, you know. And um, I think it's very, very important to, to let ourselves, you know, to not... And there's also, there's also something, we can't compete in motherhood, you know. We can't compete. There's no such thing that you are a better mom than me and I am a better mom than you and, and really think that we are the best moms we can be to our children. And this is the thing. We would not be ourselves. We would not be the ones we are supposed to be if we would have had other mothers or been mothered differently. Whatever happened to us was meant to be because we are here now. And to question our now, you know, that is also blaming the past and trying to, you know, change that by questioning our now, that is not constructive. So wherever you are at, wherever you are at in relationship to your own mother, wherever you are at in relationship to your own motherhood, wherever you are at in relationship to your children, I just want you to know that... I think it's time for us to really 
honor motherhood in a different way and really try to remove the guilt and blame and work on that and work on forgiveness and giving ourselves the possibility to own our own motherhood and really with the good and the bad and to see that, wow, as my mom said, what an amazing job I did, how amazing I am. Okay, dear ones, I love you. I wish you all a happy Mother's Day. And for those of you on Sunday, it's not Mother's Day in Sweden, but I know it is in the U.S. And for those of you who don't have a mother, I feel with you I don't. And I still feel that uh, we can honor our mothers in heaven. And for those of you who have a mother... I hope you celebrate her a lot and shower her with love and gratitude. And uh, if you can't, if you don't relate, if you can't connect, you can do it from a distance and really honor her for all the hard work she did. Because you are amazing. The result is amazing. Okay, you can share my comments. Uh, sorry, you can share with me on Instagram or uh, send me an email, shamaperson at gmail.com and wherever you are at. I love you. Peace.